Oh, das kann sogar, man darf gar nicht daran denken, das kann Gold für Andrea Henkel werden. Gold oder Silber, Gold für Andrea Henkel oder nicht. Mensch, das ist Gold für Andrea Henkel! Hello everybody and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast. A podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and R.J. Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Four hundred and forty-three races at the World Cup level, twenty-two individual wins and fifty-nine individual podiums, twenty-four team wins and forty-seven podiums. Almost ninety-one percent of her races in the top thirty, and an average rank of thirteen point six. Over 6,000 shots in individual races, hitting over 85% over her career. Never below the field average for ski speed, with an average ranking in course time of 13.3. One overall title in 2007, one second and two times third overall. Two gold, one silver and one bronze Olympic medal in 16 races. Eight gold, six silver and two bronze medals in 55 races at the World Championships and a gold and silver medal at the Junior World Championships. First World Cup race in 1995, last World Cup race 19 years later in 2014. Please enjoy the next hour as we talk to Andrea Henkel at her home in Lake Placid and check out her latest business, Compete Like a Pro on CompeteLikeAPro.com. Enjoy. Through the eyes of Andrea Henkel, the kleinen großen Biathletin. Hey Andrea, how are you doing? Hello, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for coming on. And you're in Lake Placid right now? I am. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm in Lake Placid right now. It's true. And yeah, we have good weather today. Yeah, so uh, uh, we just before this, uh, Arjun and I were talking for a long time, and uh, he was sharing that uh, uh, that he, in particular, has watched a lot of German uh, biathlon just from growing up in, in Holland, and and so uh, uh, you are definitely somebody that he has he has seen a lot of uh, growing up. So I know this must be sort of a, a surreal experience for for Arjun, you know, having having you here right now. Totally, yeah. Because that's that's a nice thing. I watch the uh, the the free streams in Canada right now from the IBU. But um, I remember when I used to watch the ARDA or the ZDF, um, they always had like interviews before and interviews after, and the athletes would come up, and um, that just added so much fun to the uh, to the ep- or to the broadcast. So uh, yeah, I do I do remember watching you for sure. Yeah, so. for sure. I miss that. Like living it now in Lake Placid, I do miss this, like all the information they had um, mm-hmm. before, like little clips about the athletes, and then also like in between the race, they had their own cameras, like where they catch the yeah. jokes yeah. Mm-hmm. in particular, and also like after they had their cameras for the interviews, even when something else was going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I miss watching that too a little bit. Yeah. And are you following, like, are, do you still watch every race or what, what's your commitment to biathlon, so to speak, right now? I do what, look at all the results, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Like sometimes going up at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do this for my education when I need to. But 
it's for the ways when I like can watch later, also maybe mm-hmm. like um, some clips and I know what's happening and I like, know where I, what I really want to watch. Then mm-hmm. I, I'm watching that. And of course I'm interested in what, what's going on in Biosland in the world of Biosland. And I keep following the scene. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if a German wins, you'll watch the whole race and otherwise you just <laughs> watch a few highlights or. It depends also what my schedule is allowing. <laughs> to yeah, yeah. But at least, so I also like look a lot in this analysis, this data analysis, which uh, you can find on the IBU page when mm-hmm. you're digging in. And since I like basically I go into this analysis, I can see more sometimes just watching mm-hmm. all these numbers on this sheet. Right. I see watching like TV with maybe American announcing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we'll, we'll we'll get into the data a little bit later, but uh, no, let's let's jump into it now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you said you like the uh, biathlon results page. Is that the one you're talking about for the yeah? For the so data? yeah, you have to go a little deeper. Like, there's an analysis, right? And mm-hmm. then you also mm-hmm. can see like the loop times and the shooting times mm-hmm. and the range times, and then how much who was the best in which loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like the time spec and it, that gives you more broader picture like for like complete some, picture yeah like so, I, when I was raising I was didn't want to see just the overall because like right. I could way more out of like how fast I actually was or like did I lose in which loop or mm-hmm. do I have like some potential shooting range at a range time and I could just see more for myself out of those um little analysis papers and so I still look into those. Mm-hmm. What is the, the first thing you look at when you are uh, when you're when you're looking at that data? What's the, the first thing your your eyes go to? How fast I was without the shooting. Like what mm-hmm. what's my real Nordic performance basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The course times added up basically. And I did this because like Python is so complex and you of course, like you add a shooting and like it adds a lot of excitement and it makes makes the sport such exciting. But my performance on the track couldn't change as much from one day to the other one. So this was very critical to me. But my shooting could change. Like maybe the next day was like totally different. One day yeah. was messed up and the other one was like, I could put it together again or mm. like vice versa. But the, the skiing itself couldn't change tremendously. Of course, you could have like maybe better material, but you could put all these aspects, like you knew the background about your times and numbers. You yeah. could put this in, but like my shape didn't change tremendously from one day to the other one. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the faster skiers. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> this was the goal. Yeah. Most of the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Was your, say, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I've got your uh, your your data page pulled up on the the website Real Biathlon. You were you were one of the fastest ones almost all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're oh, being too I humble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't look at it all the time. I wasn't such a nerd. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, did your your coaching team or or just a team in general use any? data analysis at the time or was it more you personally because you were interested in it but maybe other athletes didn't do it at all or 
I think it depended on the athlete a little, but like some athletes used it more than I did, some maybe less than I did. Um, it was like we could like just log into the IBU or like you just can go on the IBU page and then everyone can see this mm -hmm. if you know where to find it. And um, so like everyone used it to their own needs. But it's not like your coaching would like, sorry. The coaches for sure used it all the time. But on like they would just go to that same page, or would would the team get uh, all the data and then would analyze it separately? Or I mean, you cannot get more data than on this page almost. But we did have another system, like there was another computer system, I guess, and mm -hmm. it we used that through the training sessions, like at the end of each training. So kind of we, <laughs> we called it like our appetizer for the next meal we got like this <laughs> and on this sheet was like percent back running like skiing time or running time mm -hmm. or whatever we did this day percent percent back shooting time percent back shooting then there was a lactate on it that you could see like if this acid was all in a range we had to be <laughs> mm -hmm. and right. so we got all the data all the time and this system so that the coaches put all also like Not a, not every starter, but like the starters we like mostly competing with into this, in this system. We got the same like person back in skiing, person back in shooting also for like uh, competitions on an international level. Right, right. And did you ever like maybe at the end of the season put all the races back to back sort of and, and compare, you know, maybe at the beginning of the season I was 5% back from, from average and towards the end of the season it was only two percent like did you look at the trend during the season or not that specifically uh -huh. but you, i mean this was it could make two percent but this was pretty good already mm -hmm. it was more in the beginning that i had to see like where, where i am i especially in skiing time that's why right. it was the first thing i was looking at and but i didn't i didn't pull out everything and was putting it next to each other and like, right, right. which I maybe should have done. <laughs> That's only data geeks like me to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen RJ's website by chance? I didn't. So after this, we'll, we'll send you a, a link to it. because uh, I think you'd get a kick out of some of the things that he's done. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. I'd like to see it. Um, so another question we had from the time that you were racing, uh, and it's a bit personal, but so obviously you're married to Tim now, so um, everything worked out well, I'm assuming. But how did that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for gossip on how you got together and that kind of stuff, but how did that work being an athlete, you know, on a different team? I, I'm assuming you in the beginning maybe wanted to keep it kind of secret or low level and that kind of thing. How was that experience? Or were you racing at the same time when you started dating basically or we were racing at the same time that's how we met and that's mm. how many other biathlon couples meet yeah it's like, like on the road together for like five months almost mm -hmm. and yeah sometimes you find someone you like <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah everyone still when we go to the races everyone is um, in their own zone and doing their own thing and it's kind of like the part of being professional Mm -hmm. and we didn't have to raise each other which was a good thing unless it was right. a good <laughs> yeah. day maybe but this was just how it was too 
So yeah, pretty practical with that. <laughs> <laughs> how did you guys? So how did, do you remember uh, who who talked to who first, or uh, how how you guys uh, started uh, getting together? Um. Yeah. <laughs> it was at a I don't know the first time but like the first time we like actually talked as much mm -hmm. as I could because my English wasn't really existing and his German was even worse <laughs> um, it was at a closing party of the world championships in 2008 mm -hmm. okay. and he just, just was standing next to me and wanted to talk <laughs> yeah oh. Yeah, I was kind of uh, hoping for a story at the bottom of a steep downhill or something where you crashed into each other, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's also like the woman training times and the men training times are separate, so it is good. Oh, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Would have been yeah. American. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, have you? Did you always have a desire to to move to the states or somewhere outside of Germany, or was it just well, actually, something that before oh. before we get there, RJ, yeah, I, yeah. I just have to point something out. So I just pulled this up because I didn't remember off the top of my head. You said this was the end of the two thousand and eight World Championships. Yes. So at the two thousand and eight World Championships, the ones that you won, uh, I think you had three gold medals out of those World Championships. Yes, this was my best World Championship. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so he saw you <laughs> won all those gold medals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, RJ, I completely interrupted you. No, no, and it, it just um, and let me know if I'm wrong, but I I do find, especially when you're in love and stuff, then um, sometimes it brings out the best in you too. Even as an athlete, it can be distracting, but it can also uh, be freeing. I think yes and no. I mean, you can mm. do it with being being like love you can do it in mm -hmm. when you like really have some anger depending on what you mm -hmm. do with all this energy which just sometimes comes up my best year was 2007 this was before that right okay <laughs> yeah well <laughs> let's leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> i had good years too yeah. after this but Fair yes enough. So it's like, Fair enough. yeah can be anything yeah so then, uh, yeah, so did you have a desire to, to move outside of Germany or was it just uh, like, how did you decide between Tim coming to Germany or you going to Lake Placid? Or? Um, we never really discussed this. For me, it was hmm. clear that maybe he's not the one who wants to move to Germany. <laughs> and I was very flexible. So hmm. I knew where I don't want to live, but I didn't really know where I would live. I never, before I met Tim could assume that I would live in the States because I couldn't mm -hmm. talk to anyone <laughs> because yeah. the English was so bad. But when you want to get better in a language or you want to move somewhere, then you can make it happen. Right, right. And I like it here. I do like it here. Yeah. Yeah. And are, are you still, because I know you, uh, you are a trainer, personal trainer, is that? I am still a personal trainer, yes. And I'm also working a little bit towards the online world, mm -hmm. like getting like more more traction, but also getting the chance hopefully to help more younger athletes. And I started mm -hmm. like a page which is called Compete Like a Pro. And it's now oh. on Instagram, it's on Facebook, it's on 
on the web, World Wide Web, and then writing nice. new blog since starting of this year. And yeah, I want to move this way, but I'm also still a personal trainer, yes. Okay. And is that the, uh, for the athletes, would that be specifically to biathlon or cross-country skiing or pretty much any? This would be not specific. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. And then it's mostly your experience in being a professional athlete and, and how so to I get the best out I, of those athletes. And yeah, so it, it did come, I do combine that. So at first, like I, of course, were like racing until 36. I have a lot of experience myself, but also mm -hmm. the time moves on. So like there's also like new discovering. And I think it's a, for me, I think it's a good combination when you combine yeah. like real person, long time experience with like new knowledge. And so I'm still yeah. doing education and I'm still like, of course, try to stay up on what's going on in the athlete, athlete world. So right now I'm doing like almost finishing a three year education called new psycho neuroimmunology, tough word. But yeah. um, this also kind of like this about how our body functions. And mm -hmm. it's not specifically mm -hmm. for athletes, but like an athlete body also has to function in a healthy way. And you can mm -hmm. like then find again um, your niche and the athletes are my niche because I already know a little bit how we function. <laughs> and yeah, okay. how the body is functioning too. And this is really interesting. So I'm, I like to combine this new knowledge with like my mm -hmm. own experiences. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. were you, when you were an athlete, were you on a certain diet or regimen on what you could eat and what you couldn't eat? Or was it still kind of based on your own, whatever you wanted? Or When I look to my career, I see now what I all could have done better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little bit hard to just digest. <laughs> mm -hmm. But... Um, I was aware of nutrition, but I didn't have much knowledge. I mean, also right. back in the days, it wasn't as huge how it is these days, mm -hmm. like what to eat, what not to eat. And eventually I found out that I'm gluten intolerant, oh. which helped a lot because I every time had like, or not every time, like, Sometimes I really had a bloated belly, and of course it's uncomfortable, yeah. and yeah. uncomfortable cannot be very, very well putting you in the, in the place where you want to have like success or like want to perform on your highest level. So mm -hmm. I figured this out, and through this discovery, it opened up a whole new spectrum of like awareness for nutrition. And right. so I started it, but more on my own. And then when I stopped competing, then I started to do this education parts and like certifications. And there was, of course, nutrition included. And like the psychoneuroimmunology is also very uh, high, high on like what to eat and use food as medicine and how this works on the body and the different systems in the body. Mm -hmm. And so I would have liked to know more about all of this while I was still competing, but now I hope just to have others while they're still competing or having a future in competing. Because like the, my target would be young athletes who are still supported by their parents and who want to have more guidings towards like, right. um, like the performance part, but they're still in a program, they're having a coach and I don't want to replace all of that. Right. Well, and 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I believe Tim was he until recently was the like director of athlete development. Um, and I don't know if you had any uh, any impact on what he was doing with those athletes, and uh, if you were able to to bring something uh, to to that that uh, to help those athletes out as well. So he still is the. the- well, I thought I thought he got moved up to, to high performance. That's Lowell. Lowell Bailey is the oh, head. Oh, I apologize. I, I I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, good. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like sometimes people think Lowell is Tim and Tim is Lowell when they see from the distance. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, he can do this on his own. <laughs> He's like, really good and capable of doing it. And I maybe just come in if he wants to discuss something. Or like I do my like one-liner too or something. <laughs> I put in one-liners. <laughs> At the very least, you're a great you're a great resource for him to fall back onto though. If he if he yeah. likes to talk about something, I'm there, but usually I do my things, he do does his things and then if mm-hmm. he want to, he don't like get in the other one's way. But if the mm-hmm. other one wants to have the other one in the way, we <laughs> yeah. can certainly ask each other. <laughs> Absolutely. But he that's mostly his. And also it's like tough. He is like in this day by day. And mm-hmm. so it would be kind of weird when I come in and just like jump in because I heard half a conversation about something. Yeah, sure. Yep. But we heard you're a, a speaker as well. Is that right? Like a you, uh, was it Matthias Arns who uh, mentioned to us that you've been in Canmore once or twice? Mm-hmm. So I was on Zoom. Yes. Oh, Zoom. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I misunderstood that. This was this was fun. So uh, it was just before the Junior World Championship, and mm-hmm. Matthias asked if I because he read my blog post and was like thinking, what can he do for his athletes who like couldn't go anywhere for like two years, or, like. Mm-hmm year and like how to stay motivated and so we decided to have like a little zoom event and then mm-hmm. i was like talking or where i was talking about motivation and this was fun yeah so i'm open to that too did you did you know matthias before that or yes like uh, he's from... a German. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, and of course he was uh, traveling around with a canadian team while i was still competing too so we, we met right. each other before okay. a little bit. The Bahasan world is it's it's relatively small but like big enough to be like still like spread out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the ones who were on the road for a couple of years. Like yeah, yeah. There's someone coming in and out, maybe it's like goes a little bit uh quicker, but the ones who like stick for a while are mm-hmm. not yeah, we we uh, when we have interviewed uh, active athletes and coaches, we often talk about uh, the IBU biathlon family feeling. It, was that during your career as well? Like, was it already a, a tight knit family where you know uh, athletes like yourself from larger nations would hang out with smaller nations and and share knowledge to a certain degree? And we hang out. And then sometimes mm-hmm. the marriage happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about the sharing knowledge part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you see each other. It's like also like you get an eye for how is 
who's skiing and maybe there's something interesting mm -hmm. like the shooting part and maybe you you talk about this a little bit but yeah so depending on sometimes the language with who you can talk about the mm -hmm. most yeah, yeah. or a lot but it is a family feeling like you you meet like in winter everyone comes back together again and then come yeah, against yeah. each other and then i have a funny story in 2014 when i had my last competition in oslo my family came and my sister she was like a former cross-country skier i was on the world cup an olympic level olympic champion world champion so she knew the cross-country side of the whole spectrum mm -hmm. and then she came to like to see me raising the last time and then there was the closing party <laughs> and then she said after this it was like she never never seen something like that <laughs> the, it was like the official part was over now it was time to like party and dance and like the first like sound of music came on and everyone was at the dance floor and like half of the <laughs> dance floor was broken <laughs> like, that, like take like a little like like how can i say this in english like just like a gate that no one goes where the broken part was so she was very impressed <laughs> not <laughs> as much fun at Kushkanti ski yeah, I was uh, reading earlier about your mm -hmm. uh, on on your Wikipedia page, and it and it described you as the younger sister of the successful cross country skier. And then I compared yeah. her successes with yours, and I I think they should swap that around. With all due respect for your sister's accomplishments, but I think you were a little bit more successful than uh, than her in the yeah. biathlon world. Yeah, 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 that's but, true. But I have to say, I would not be here if my sister wouldn't have existed mm. because she was my inspiration basically like my three-year-older sister having in her like we had one room together okay. and over her bed was hanging a ski pole when she was very young and like all her medals were hanging on it and I just uh, that's the best decoration to have <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why i started to, uh, started this whole journey nice so without her i wouldn't have this wikipedia page <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Did did she ever consider biathlon, or was she always locked into cross country? She uh, was locked. Like she really was yeah. like committed to to cross country skiing. First, there was like the classic part, and mm -hmm. she was more the classic skier than the skating skier. Or like everyone told her that, so she believed it too. <laughs> and <laughs> and then there was the sprint aspect, which I am totally not a sprinter, but she was. And then these races came came along too, and so it was also nice to have her in cross country and me in biathlon. So there was no no qualification interaction and things like that. Right. We we've seen a handful of uh, cross country um, skiers recently switch over to biathlon. Um, you know, Stina Nilsson, and then uh, uh, the young woman's name who just did it um, this it year. Uh, yes, Lampich. Yes, and. Um, uh, what was your experience like transitioning over from cross country to biathlon? I mean, I was 12 years old. <laughs> oh, <wow>. My transition <laughs> yeah. wasn't such, yeah. such big. And it actually happened because the government of the former GGR decided all the, all the girls who training at the training center where the boys are doing biathlon are now biathletes. And I was one of them. And then 
My sister at this time was already at the sports school and a boarding school in Oberhof. Mm -hmm. And that's why she stayed being a cross-country skier. But I became a biathlete at home and then moved to the school as well, but as a biathlete. So okay. it, this transition wasn't such dramatic. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you didn't really have a choice. But it was good. I, I yes. oh, yeah, yeah. No. It worked out okay, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> worked out very well. Turned out yeah. being the best thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so one one uh, aspect we, we really wanted to talk about is uh, as a you know German athlete coming to the U.S., can you tell us a little bit more about what you found are major differences between, say, Germany slash Europe and, and the U.S., maybe generally on sports culture or winter sports in general and, and, and biathlon? Um, I... I already came to the US as an athlete. Mm -hmm. But actually my first World Cup was nineteen ninety-nine in Lake Placid. Wow. Really? And, yeah. Very so, cool. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Hmm? Oh, it was, oh, I it was, was just meant saying to be. that it was meant to be that you would end up there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like it was meant to be to be a biathlete. And yes. So I came also as an athlete already training like in 2008 <laughs> in summer for summer training. And so that's when I really got a peek into like the U.S. system, which also is changing with all the effort they're doing to like create and make the sport bigger because it's a, it's a small sport in America and it's such a big sport in Germany uh -huh. and in Europe. And that makes it, makes it of course harder to to like get the very like good athletes into the sport because like there's there's so many other sports they're competing with and since the sport isn't like really well known the, and especially like now cross country skiing has Jesse Dickens and it's mm -hmm. exciting and so uh, kids want to be the next Jesse Dickens mm -hmm. and it's totally understandable and but It's also good for biathlon because when all these kids now see this cross-country skiing is such much fun. And you just mentioned that some cross-country skiers also later on still switch to biathlon. Um, there's still the option to maybe mm -hmm. make mm -hmm. biathlon bigger in, in the US and they're working on it for sure. So this is my the biggest difference. It's like bigger in Germany or in Europe than in the US. Also because it's way better covered on TV, how we said in the beginning. Right. Like in America, it's, it's such a cool sport and they're trying to, and like um, the ones who like in the in the system and announcing, they also hope for like announcing as many races as they can. And then they have, of course, like this, um, like, like advertisement in between and like it's kind mm -hmm. of like for them it's also limited the options to announce biathlon and then it comes to to the olympics and then it's as simple as biathlon is but if you just watch it once it's maybe a little bit confusing mm -hmm. and then it's not as exciting as it can be and i think this makes it a little hard in america to win over the kids because it's yeah. just not seen as much and yeah. for 
Germans, it's like the biggest winter sport. And it's also like prime time. We never mm -hmm. raced in the morning at nine. They waited until like everyone <laughs> had, their, had their lunch. And then yeah. it's five lunch time. <laughs> <laughs> or like just before lunch, around lunch. Yeah. And this helped, of course, a lot. And what really helped is was the Olympics in 2002 in Salt Lake City. Because mm -hmm. through the time change, we had now prime time, um, 8.15. That's usually when like the main movie starts on mm. German TV. Uh -huh. And now there was Barcelona. And then we also won the medals. And this yeah. gave us a yeah. huge boost. Well, I was just going to say, growing up in the United States, uh, I will say that that is, you know, the only time you really see biathlon is you see it at the Olympics um, until until recently, um, you know, with it being on, on the Olympic channel. But even still, I mean, it, it, you kind of have to go, you have to go find it. You have to be looking for it. Um, and I think that's just, you know, it's sort of a problem. I, I think that Chad Samula does an amazing job, you know, yeah, with the yeah. with announcing. He's so enthusiastic about it. And I think when people finally get a chance to watch biathlon with him calling a race, you know, they're interested and they want to come back and see more. It's just it's just hard for people to find it. Yeah, it's just it's mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I meant like they're really trying also the announcers like Chad. Mm -hmm. It's like yes. yeah. they're making yeah, I mean, fighting. It's just like how to get out there. And then it's also like it needs the results. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah. we had, I mean, America had good results with low Tim. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And, but right now it's again, a little, went a little bit back. A little bit below. Yep. It doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't come back. So that, I mean, I know what they work in the background and like they're having good talents yep. and there's still chances to make this sport in, in the U S bigger too. And that's, yeah. that's part of what we're trying to do. Great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, there, um, is there anything that you could see that, I mean, I'm sure you talked with Tim about this, but what would have to change other than, of course, you know, success and then um, attention is sort of a chicken and egg. Maybe, but uh, do you do you see anything like? Do there need to be more uh, facilities, or do you feel that that is you know up to par with with what they need? Or is there anything you can think of that you see would would be beneficial if that would change? There are great facilities in the US. I would say it, it's more the numbers. I think more numbers would also make it more competitive in the country. Right. in the teams itself and then of course it's fun when when the success is here and coming and like it's almost and you have like you just need five you need five really good athletes because then it's one cannot race the relay one cannot race at the olympics one cannot race at the world champs mm -hmm. and this creates a dynamic the coach almost cannot create right hmm. so it's when they start pushing each other yeah. 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 It's, it's also like, I'm very grateful for my really tough team I had because it pushed me to like uh, areas I maybe not would have been. Mm -hmm. So I was like, to just put it in perspective, we were in 2006 at the Olympics, a team of six. All six could, had a chance to like be 
in the medal or like top 10, but then we have four starting places. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's all these World Cups before and we kind of like need to make the points that we earned, uh, we own like one of these spots to get started to begin with, because like my sister also said, like in Python, like for Andrea, it's almost harder to make the the criteria or like to get the spot, get the bib around her her, um, her chest, then actually medal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I know it's way because in Torino in 2004, they also said like uh, six 2006, we had these four spots mm -hmm. and they told us who will race the individual race. And this was for, like also my re, my two, my teammate, roommate, friend, Martina, Lago at this time, now mm -hmm. back and me. And with saying the one who doesn't race in this race gets the sprint. We knew mm. one of us is, is yeah. like, will not race the individual, uh, the, the sprint. We only race yeah. the individual, but it was, how it was. So now the race came, she was second, I was fourth, I was worse, I was fourth at the Olympics, I was not qualified for the sprint. That's how mm. our team worked. But four, four years before then in, in, in Third Lake, I won, she was seventh, she wasn't good enough to race the sprint. Right. And this pushed us, like the whole team, to a level, how I said, a coach cannot create. Yeah, that's that's a whole. We we were uh, Jordan and I were talking earlier in an, in another episode about you know small nations like Ukulex uh, yes. yeah. the mark and that they don't really have the opportunity to be in a relay team and we were just kind of playing with the idea of what if you get athletes mm -hmm. from small nations mm -hmm. together in one relay team, uh, just you know performing on their neutral flag or something. But yeah, this is the other side of the medal when you're from a, a Norway or a Germany. That the competition within the team is so large that you may not be able to participate in a relay either just because you know you have four teammates that are slightly better or just better shape or form or yeah, so that's, or yeah. Like at one point the coaches kind of need to give the other person a chance too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and i thought i wanted to come back to you made a, a very interesting point that i never really thought about is that you know of the the four main races, sprint, pursuit, mass start, and individual, I would say only the mass start is really clear and obvious to a spectator that's not familiar with biathlon, Yep. right? Because even the pursuit can be confusing with the different starting times, and mm -hmm. uh, at least they're all coming to the, the finish line together in the sense that the first finisher wins. But I can imagine that if you see a sprint for the first time and you're like, well, why is he not excited? He just won. And it's like, oh no, there's, oh, there's, so yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, um, I wonder if they would ever change the order for that just to start right. with a mass start that people can actually see, see a race that, that you can understand better. Now you cannot start with a mass start because you need to qualify for it. And for yeah, this, that's you true. need all yeah. the other races. But if all the biathlon races would be podcasted, Mm -hmm. would, mm -hmm. <laughs> would do a good job to also like uh, announce it that it's exciting to have the sprint races and these individual races even when you come into the finish and it's not clear yet what's mm -hmm. going on because like there's so many other other things you can look at 
right. then it keeps keeps kind of like the whole attention live, even when yep. there's one person already in the finish line. But for this, it's also, I mean, there's no difference really in Europe, I think, for sprint race versus a master race uh, for the spectators. It more depends on like what's fitting better in the schedule for this person. Mm -hmm. But usually they don't make a difference what kind of race it's going on. Right. I think it's more exciting when like the first one comes into the to the finish line and you know that's the first person. Mm -hmm. But the other races, I every time say they're kind of, a kind of like historic. It's how Biathlon started, mm -hmm. and yeah. I, would, I would feel bad if they would take it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always hard with the new formats they're coming up with. It's you know, yeah, whether you like them or not, and... they can be nice additions, but I wouldn't want to see them take over an existing yeah. discipline. Yeah, I, also, I, my opinion, it's also hard to see more and more coming up because then it's getting at one point also too much. Hmm. Yeah. Well, too I think many. we talked about this uh, shortly after the Olympics when they talked about, I think they did add the single mixed relay. For the the next the next uh, the twenty twenty six. Oh, they got declined. Olympics. I think they wanted that, it added, and it? I think it got declined by the uh, Torino or not okay. Torino. Uh, the well, I was going to say that just Olympics you know at Italy. some point you just you just have too many races, and you can't have you know at a World Championships or an, uh, people are going to be exhausted. It's just too much. But. Yeah, it also takes away from like a medal because when you have yeah. like mm -hmm. six others. Yeah, it's like maybe I'm not. I think like. The value takes a little out. Like it takes a little bit out the value. Yeah, of yeah. Then you come home and you be like a six-time Olympic champion or whatever, or seven. Yeah, it would be seven. We talked about that as well. How, how do you compare? You know what? Uh, you know, uh, Royceland or or Bo or or Quentin Fiume did this most recent Olympics versus what Bjorn Dahlen did back in uh, in Salt Lake City, right? It's just uh, he. He won as many medals as he could. There just were no other options, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, there's, like, there's reasons why they do it because it's exciting. Yeah. But there's yep. also like there's a line when you can align you, you're almost close to mm -hmm. crossover, I think. Yeah. I'm always um, coming back to, to a comment you made earlier uh, about the broadcasting of, of individuals and sprints. Mm -hmm. I always feel like they can do a better job with the sort of the graphics in the bottom of the of the broadcast to to show how you relate to the person who is currently in first kind of thing like or or how how close they are to if they keep going in the same pace they are where they would re, would it end up I know I that, that's the part I struggle with when when I you know show biathlon to others that they're just if you don't really know what it means when somebody crosses the line, how, how it relates, yeah. then they're just not, it's mm. not really a, a great way to get them into biathlon. I mean, many got into the biathlon even in this way, but I, I totally mm -hmm. hear you. And it's a long race, like the 20K with a, with a, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the guys and a 15 for the girls. And then like you start, like the first one comes in the finish and they didn't even, the last one didn't even start yet, maybe. Yeah. And then it's a long race. It also depends on the dynamic of the race sometimes. Right. Yeah. Like we have like really close individual races and then some which are clear after like the third shooting. I mean, yeah. nothing can be clear after the third shooting, but you know what I mean. And yeah. 
maybe graph, graphics can do it. And sometimes it's also how it affects the dynamic of the day. Yeah. And yeah. like how, when someone starts, like if it's spread out or over the whole starting, like starting list, and then mm-hmm. it's like exciting until the end. If like yeah. at the last 20, nothing is really like coming yeah. into 10 anymore. And you notice after like the second shooting, then yeah. in Germany, you have done a lot of interviews with the athletes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exciting so maybe you can like take this format over for the international um, yeah. format too that you can have like just like a bunch of interviews and like what happened on the yeah, on the yeah. Range, what happened on the ski tracks yeah you said earlier and and this makes sense you know living in north america and with having a, a busy career you know you don't get a chance to see a lot of uh races live as they're happening but if you do get a chance to see a race, are there any things that you would like to see them add to the broadcast? Like any statistics that you'd be able to see live um, rather than having to wait and go into the, uh, into the, into the document uh, or onto the, on the website later. I think in, in Biathlon, many stuff happens sometimes very fast mm-hmm. and almost at the same time, like someone is shooting phone, someone is shooting standing. Mm-hmm. It's actually not easy to keep the overview for the announcer too, because like they yeah. also like need to talk when you just think it's clear for you and you see something else and there's like so much to see. So I think it's more about like having all the data, but like too much information on the screen mm-hmm. maybe would also take away from the sport a little bit. That's why we have the announcers and the mm-hmm. announcers itself, they have like all sorts of data straight ahead of them to yeah. pull out from. And there is, I mean, I saw this, I was like um, announcing the chat sometime in one time and it like, it keeps going and like gets yeah. more detailed for the announcers and they can provide them the information. Uh, and it's, it's put together really nicely. And since they see this every day, it's, it's easy for them to pull out what's maybe important for mm-hmm. spectators, like for the, I mean, Chad doesn't need to talk about the Germans all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it would get old at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I think, sorry. That's what I do already really well. Like, to, they try to, like, have as yeah. many information as possible for the ones who provide them the information, but you can yeah. also maybe not overload the, the spectators to, like, I don't get it. That they don't yeah. get this point. Yep. Yeah, it makes me you. think a little bit of the uh, the Tour de France, where they sometimes have four shots within the screen, mm-hmm. but you actually have like a, I guess, a visual of how they relate to the yellow jersey, for yep. example, like and and live updated. So as they mm-hmm. ride, you can see the the time change. But yeah, it's I don't know that I'm always wondering if that's more me being a data geek that would like that or if it actually would help the, the general or not to be not quite the biathlete follower yet. Um, yeah. I think you see the time back and the relation. Now I said, like, if you like, put all the data on the screen and you don't see the athletes anymore, it's <laughs> yeah. not in the background, which you could see. And I also sometimes watch TV mm-hmm. and then I have the computer next to me, yeah. like, like a bunch of computers, and then have their CV data on. Yeah. And there's everything mm-hmm. I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. But that can definitely be distracting too. You need right. to know where you look at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. But, mm -hmm. So, <laughs> what's that? You're getting some geeks here. About how to oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's funny. You mentioned that uh, this was like a year ago. I think uh, RJ asked me like what my setup is when I'm watching a race and I sent him a picture, right? And I've got like my, I've got the, the, the TV and then I've got my iPad with the, you know, the statistics and I've got my laptop there. And it's like, it, there are some people who, if they tried to watch it like that, would just completely lose their minds. I think, you know, so I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to be the right level of biathlon geek, you know, to, you know, but yeah. It's just, it's just also nice to know that behind the TV coverage, there is extended possibility to watch a race. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think the IBU did actually a really nice job with the, uh, the phone app they launched yes. in the past season that you can yeah. actually follow the, the updates during the race. Now, the IBU also like I mean sport uh, sport can be used in mm -hmm. like certain ways, but the IBU did a really good job of, like uh, getting the pursuit in, getting the mastered in because this yes. are relatively yeah. new races. Mm -hmm. Master didn't exist yep. in two thousand two at the Olympics, and I think those two races made a huge difference already for the mm -hmm. sport. Right. And then the mixed relay. I like. I, I'm not a huge fan of the mixed uh, single mixed relay, mm. but I'm a really <laughs> big fan of the mixed relay because like more nations having the chance to compete to each other, and it's a really well earned medal mm -hmm. win it. Well, and it's, it, I see it as a really good reflection of the strength of the nation, right? If you can have mm -hmm. two top athletes in both genders in a team, then it's. Uh... Yeah, I think that we would both agree with you on the single mixed relay, though. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not quite there yet. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's try things. It's also we, we can. It's worth to try. It's also, it's worth to stick with it, and not like to say yeah. after one time because many yeah. of us don't like or like don't yeah. get it or whatever to just like put it aside again. Just like see, let's yeah. see how it goes. Like over time, and maybe we at one point we like it too. I think it's really nice for that event they do uh, auf Schalke, where they actually go through yeah. the stadium. It's that, a show. show yeah, yeah, it's a sh yeah, it's a show, and I, I think for that it's really great. But yeah, it's maybe I'm too traditional that way. But yeah, so. I think it's also from like a seat perspective, and when you're a team of like six in the World Cup, and then or like twelve, like six uh, yeah. women, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then two racing. Yeah a little yeah. too much standing on the side or too yeah. many yeah. well and then we yeah. had the, we were just talking about that um, where I think in the last season they had a uh, was it a mixed relay and a single mixed relay on the same day and mm -hmm. they usually do that they're not yeah. like all these athletes like they are which is, in, yeah for, for, for a nation like Germany and Norway that's not a big deal but um, for, for Canada it was a real struggle of you know, do we put our best athletes together in the single mix, or do we spread them out over the over the relays, etc.? So that's yeah, that's the part why why the single mix almost took away from the mixed relay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So are there any, any, so speaking of that, and, and we also talked about RJ and I did earlier, uh, talked about like the, um, the, the mass start 60 and the super sprint, uh, competitions. And are there any changes that in particular you would like to see the IBU make going forward? Oh, I was not thinking so far. I, I know, I, I know. This is a hard one. Uh, but I, I just, I was just thinking about this off the top of my head. I was like, maybe there's, there's one like great idea that you've been sitting on, and and I just didn't know if there was. Maybe I would have one. It's worth to ask a question. I just don't have one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> have you seen the Mass Art sixty? Is that is that something you you like? I would or? Have hated to compete in this. <laughs> <laughs> you would have hated it. Yes, with way too many people at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, uh, a bit of a chaos. But he was already tricky sixty. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Or are you just worried that you would have had thirty more competitors to uh, to race against? No, I'm racing with eighty. <laughs> Everyone has their own space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Woman, too many women in one spot. It's not pretty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you know, before we before we totally move on, are are there any uh, you know things in specific about the you know being on the World Cup or that that you particularly miss? Like being in the in the athlete in biathlon, what mm-hmm. I missed in the beginning and I'm getting a little bit over it, like the simplicity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it weird. It's every time everyone talks about how hard things are and like you're away for long and it's all true like you're away for a long time that's the main reason why I stopped I wanted to get settled yeah but like it's a pretty simple <laughs> uh, easy is the wrong word but it's a you get yeah. me when I say like pretty simple mm-hmm. easy life you get up you do you move you move a lot. You don't need to sit at a desk for eight hours. And um, if you're doing well, you get paid well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have fun. Also, I had fun. And I think the ones who are like doing well, having fun. Yeah. You you meet all sorts of different people. You see different countries, even you mostly see like different woods. But <laughs> um, you still travel and you get experience how it's looking outside of your own world. Mm-hmm. So I missed that simplicity a little bit, and I had to like get my head around it in the beginning. And did you like being a? I don't know if famous is the word, but a well-known person in Germany. Did you like the extra attention, or were you more like it's part of the job, but I could do without it? I had a chance to grow into it since I started being on the World Cup, also when it was how it is in the US right now. Like, mm-hmm. like you knew the ones who come to the races and uh, the stadiums were not as filled yet. Sometimes they were already, but like it really, how was that before in 2002, we got a big race in like attention. Mm. And so I kind of like had a chance to grow in it. And in the beginning, it was also like so unexpected and not coordinated yet. And then we had like, go through a phase where in the German World Cups there was also like an overwhelming group holding like two weeks in a row there were the sponsors and then we had like all the side tasks like away from the competition but we also had to compete on a high level so there was like 
We had to go to getting our bib at night. And then there was, um, like, sponsors came and we, like, went and, like, had a talk there and the next day talk somewhere else and then after the race somewhere else. And this now it's, like, maybe it became bigger, but it was more coordinated and, you know, and, like, because we sometimes it took, like, one of the coaches, it took, like, one hour and they were, like, one of, again, the coach from getting from the stadium it's maybe it's under a kilometer to get to the to where we stayed in this mm-hmm. army place in Oberhof. It's always it's a sports group because he had to write autographs all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so this got more coordinated that now we didn't yeah. have to, we didn't walk anymore down. We then got got a bus and like they drove us that we actually made it to the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So it was nice to be part of this growth in the sport. And I think there were other athletes more looked at, if I can say this well. Like mm-hmm. For me, it was fine. And in the town I was living, I was part of the part of them. So it was mm-hmm. like something special. Mm-hmm. I was suddenly there. <laughs> and so... I usually was, when I went to a restaurant, I was sitting with the bag into the room so that no one, like, they mm-hmm. can see me, yeah. but I don't need to see all dinner mm-hmm. long that people looking at me. This was just the adjustment I took, but it was, it was fine most of the time. And then when, when it was like crazy for like some, some reasons, it was also for a reason. Like you can, every time that you, you have, one metal and one metal has two sides, shiny and right. shadow. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. They go in a hole. <laughs> yeah. um, have you been back to any races uh, since you retired? Yes. So I went, I think, every year until COVID hit. Yeah. Actually, to my hometown, Oberhof, and oh, was yeah. there for uh, one of my former sponsors. And then also sometimes in hoop holding and did mm-hmm. some events there. So I've been back to races. Yeah. But nothing yeah. since COVID. Nothing since COVID. I'm planning on going to the World Championships, which are this year again Ooh. in my hometown. Yeah. Nice. And are you planning on visiting Canmore next season when the women are coming to uh, to Canmore? I didn't plan on this yet. But I've been in Kenmore after I was competing, so I also announced on the chat. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, and it was fun. I really liked it. It's a, it's a great place to be. In. So it's I'm now tempted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, they have the IBU Cup. IBU Cup is coming this year already, so you don't have to wait till next year. I'm not sure I can because it's probably <laughs> then after yeah, yeah. the World Champs. <laughs> One point. Yeah, it's 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 right around. Because <laughs> do they um, do they have any races in the states in the next couple of years? The, usually, yeah. have every four years. So, Soldier Hollow so, like, next oh, Soldier year. Hollow, yeah. Oh, next yeah. year. So, so they they do the Canmore and then Soldier yeah, Hollow. And, yeah, back to back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, guys, I have to run uh, to go pick up my son. 
you guys, RJ, keep going. Um, you know, I will just, I'll leave it up here. This is, thank you so much, Andrea. I, on, Andrea, excuse me. I, I apologize. I, I Americanized you. I apologize. <laughs> Good. I, 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 I really appreciated this. This was, this was really fun. Um, you probably don't know this, but we've got this whole script that we normally go through and like, and, and questions. We, we just threw that out the window. We were having too much fun talking with you. So, um, I, <laughs> thank you. I, I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So when we talk about, um, when I say things like at home, is, is that Lake Placid for you now? Or, cause I noticed as I've been in uh, Canada 16 years now, and I noticed, for example, when the, the world cup for soccer is coming up, I still talk about we as in Holland. Um, but then there's other times when I talk about we as Canadians, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like, I mix it up too. Yeah. <laughs> like here's my like here in Lake Placid is my home. That's mm-hmm. where I settled. Yeah. But I still call Germany still my home too. Right. So it's my former home. Then now it's my current home. Yeah. I and arrived in Lake Placid. That's for sure. Yeah. Is there? Because uh, I know that Lake Placid is a. Uh, like, are you close to the? F- the, the former facilities from the Olympics and are they maintained? Like, I have no idea. Are they so, still in good shape and everything or? They are now in a very good shape because okay. everything that we knew, then we have like a really amazing snowmaking system and a new brand new range and then brand new um, Nordic like stadium with like a building, the mountain lodge. And when it's winter and it's getting dark early, Mm-hmm. I can check from my like lying in my bed if they're cool. <laughs> wow! We are. <laughs> so you're pretty close. That's that's then, wonderful. Yeah. The other side of the like, there's a little valley in between. It's mm. five minutes per car. Nice. And do you like? Do you go out there to work out skiing and or do you roller ski in the summer or? Um, I do try to do everything. So we have a very active dog so mostly uh, most of my activities are running and then in winter also like backcountry skiing and because I cannot bring my dog to the nice well-groomed trails because I would like to do this but I do go to the facility for skiing for myself and I really like need time out and I go skiing yeah yeah. and I also have clients like uh, personal training clients at the facility Okay. And then, um, so you were talking about snowmaking. What's your, um, your thought on, you know, IBU now focusing a little bit more on summer biathlon and, and trying to kind of make a series of events in the summer. Um, and unfortunately with, uh, climate change, I'm not saying next year or the year after it's going to make a big difference, but do you have any thoughts on, you know, 15, 20 years from now where, biathlon will be i think so i have the feeling that ibu tried this in a longer time to include the summer more but this year it got so big because it was the world championships in in germany like mm-hmm. in Oberholding. we had it before in Oberhof and it was really well attended like, like when i was i think i didn't race the world championships because i was sick before okay. but it 
was every time already like they were trying to like make this bigger and bigger. But mm -hmm. I also think like from a training perspective, you can include races, but you cannot prepare for two highlights in a year. Like you cannot, right. you can of course prepare for two highlights in a year if they're like closer together, but not like in summer and then one in winter because mm -hmm. at one point you have to prepare all the foundation and then you every time in like preparing for races mode instead of setting a foundation. So I think the focus is focus is a sport world and mm -hmm. <laughs> you should keep using it and. In, the, in Germany, how the system worked, since ever, like in fall, there were the um, like qualification races for the, the next sectional races in winter, yep. but you had to pre-qualify for like getting even like to the next qualification races in fall. And this was every time since ever our qualification races. There were six races and you had to qualify to go to the next winter preparation camp. And at one point, the winter calendar got so full that the German championships didn't really have space there anymore because we like just like pushed in and then just a few athletes came and it wasn't like not valued anymore. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, Germany doesn't have snow, like when the season is ending and other nations still have like the national championships. In Germany, there was no snow anymore. Right. So they moved, they basically renamed this qualification races in fall and called them the German championships. Right. And then the German championships became like bigger again, but they were on roller skis. And then at one point there was a world championship in yeah. roller skiing. It's just the attempt to make a big sport bigger, I think. But as mm -hmm. also, again, how we said before, maybe a limit to it. It's good because we also, like athletes, need these races at this time, I think. It's part of the preparation, but for the winter. It's not a highlight. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I think... It shows that, you know, I think this year the Bayat or the national German championships were in the same weekend as the Martin Fourcade festival, oh. right? So it's it tells you that yeah, there is there's the intent to to make it a series and coordinate a little better, but so far there's still overlap and, and some nations not participating in the world championships and because they're focusing on what's going on in winter. In winter, yeah. But it's a it's a winter Olympic sport. Yeah, although that's what I was kind of alluding to. I I don't know for how many decades longer if things keep changing like this, but uh, but just in short, like I would not have been maybe on this podcast if <laughs> I would have done uh, well if I would have be successful on roller skis. Right, I just was not a good roller skier. So it's a difference okay. with that. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. Was, I'm so little, and maybe this like the body weight sometimes plays a role on the roller skis, and most most yeah. acids had more, <laughs> which is fine. No, I didn't. It's just like um, it, I personally uh, think the ski, also the ski feeling, has like another skill set too. Uh -huh. And it's just for me, it's more exciting. But I totally get your point. And the roller skiing aspect, it doesn't mean that like all, all like small or tiny skiers don't have a chance on roller skis. It's also not true. It just was not my, my greatest. Right. Right. And yeah, I think 
it's nice that there are the races and there are events because it keeps also the fans happy. And of course, we need to train it anyway, also to yeah. race during the season or during the training season. But having two highlights in a year, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I sometimes wonder if it would be an opportunity for someone like Jordan, who's in Florida and obviously not uh, uh, exposed to biathlon close by, but if there would be more summer biathlon, if that would be, you know, for a situation like that. No, I just thought summer by or, you know, roller skiing biathlon um, could expose the sport to, I guess, people that are not really exposed to the winter sport, but I guess you still need the, the biathlon range who is, that is typically located in winter areas. But Yeah, I think the roller skiing part is really good because you can train a lot in the summer for like mm-hmm. winter. And like I would say whoever can roller ski can ski. It's yeah. maybe not the same and like maybe you need a little bit different feeling for the ski. But like preparing all lifelong or like whatever uh, on roller skis, eventually you can switch over to skis and take like a few more years and be really good on skis too. Mm-hmm. But if you're like good on roller skis, that's why we're using them. Yeah. Because we need them to train our normal skating and skiing. And then in winter, we are on the road all the time too. No one is home. Right. And the World Cup and that would be the same case for the ones who don't even live in an area where there is snow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, the, but you... all the ranges have usually access to a roller ski loop too. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it uh, wasn't there just one opened in the US, a, a brand new one, uh, roller skiing loop with the biathlon range. I think it was in Wisconsin or. So uh, it will, there will be the opening uh, like end of this month, yeah. Like okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think that's that's another <laughs> thing that's so different with uh, you know Norway or Germany is that the, the sheer size of the US and the same in Canada. Like uh, we had uh, Jules Bernat on our podcast from Quebec. And you just realize that's, you know, that's like a four hour flight from Canmore. Yeah. Where in Germany, you know, you can go from Hamburg to München and I don't know, you can maybe drive it in four hours. Yeah. Roughly. No, you don't think in four, but it's way closer. It's, t- it's totally a different dynamic and like way easier on a logistic to plan a trip with the German team than plan mm-hmm. a trip team and I see this from Tim like running in this problems like when kids come from Alaska and kids come from like California and kids come from Vermont and then from New York and then they all should be at the same time in in Norway or mm-hmm. in or like then to meet up and because then there's one um, shuttle to the menu and it's that's tough and also like yeah. And I think this is part of the problem in the U.S. that everything is so spread out and it's hard to get those groups together. So it would be nice to have on each facility like a very competitive crew, but then it's like so many kids at the end also yeah. be able to raise in the World Cup when there are just six spots. Yeah. Well, yeah. like right now, even four only, I think depending on the ranking and the overall. 
Right, right. Yeah, it's uh US team's gonna be interesting, especially with uh Claire and Susan retiring. That's gonna leave a huge gap and but gaps can be filled. And I, I yeah, just wanted and, to say, and it's opportunities too, right? And I, I also just wanted to say it shouldn't maybe yes, it's maybe a little more challenging, but it's not impossible. And if a kid is interested in like doing it, even when it's maybe like seems like ah like it's like tough to do for some reason i don't know mm-hmm. if there's the real passion and like the willpower and like the like the ability to do it, it there will be every time a way yeah and i know that like in the background they're working really hard like those kids who would like to do this getting to do it right yeah. well and i think for for nations like Canada and the US, there's also, you could see it from the other point of view where, you know, if you're willing to put the time and effort in and work really hard and you have talent, there's probably a World Cup spot available where, you know, compared to uh, Norway, where you're, I think at age eight, you're competing with 500 other kids for, you know, just a spot on the next level. So in that sense, you know, I'm not it's saying a, it's easier, it's, there's just more opportunity in that sense. That's totally true. And at the end, everyone, like, at the end, you want to be probably, I mean, maybe I talk just for myself, but <laughs> you want to be like in the front of the field. And then it doesn't matter if you are from Norway or from Germany or from Canada or the right. US, you have to put a work in. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you're living. And you can do it on roller skis. <laughs> you can do it on skis. And there are so many options. And, um, no excuses. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. I think mm-hmm. with with those wise words, um, I'll finish up here because I know you have to uh, to run. Um, anything else you wanted to mention, like uh, uh, promote your website or anything you wanted to say? Yeah. So at first, thanks for having me on the podcast. It was fun, and I like to chat, especially in America about Biaslan. And yeah. for like the American continent. And yeah, whoever maybe is interested in what I'm saying and want to say, can I'm sure they will be. I write one every week and it's on competelikeaport.com. And there's also that's a very fresh opened Instagram account, Compete Like a Pro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, we'll put up a, a link in the, in the notes as well for sure. That's so my my thing I'm working on, and yeah, and I hope of course that Biostone gets like way more obvious also in in Canada and US. It's not like what's that? Like, yeah, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> this question doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. It's it's been an honor to have you on, and 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 a great pleasure. Thank you for all the listeners. You can reach out to us on uh, Penalty Loop Podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or any feedback. And uh, other than that, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Das ist der Abschied. Das sind die letzten Meter von Andrea Henkel. Noch einmal genießen. 